Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 11th of February, 2020. Hoda Nod has declared the death of the Lightning Network Trust Chain 2. He says, time to declare the LN Trust Chain 2 torch extinguished. Last holder decided one week ago to just send it unsolicited via tipping me to Jack. Which is obviously not how this works. In the end, it visited 62 countries in less than two weeks with 161 people participating. Rest in peace, LN Trust Chain 2. Maybe we'll see you again in another iteration. Until that time, goodbye. All right, it's not as freaking somber as it should be, but dude, I mean, if you're gonna send the torch, follow freaking protocol, okay? And you know what the greatest thing about protocols are is that the best protocols are the ones that are written by groups of people over a, a span of time. And they're not really actively saying, we're going to develop a protocol. No, no, that's not how this shit works. The worst protocols are people who've been told or instructed by some higher up that you will write a protocol for X. Mm-mm, nope, that never works. That's never going to work. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. The protocols that work the best are the protocols that are written by groups of people coming together under a common cause, and they don't even really know that they're writing the protocol. At this point, I do think it's probably time to codify the protocol that that we have gotten. That is, if a Lightning Network Trust Chain 3 comes out, if you ask for the torch and you are going to pass it on, you wait until somebody sends you an invoice that you have requested for the amount of the torch plus whatever percentage is decided upon for that torch to add to it. And then after multiple invoices come in and you are vetting the people behind those invoices, then and only then shall you select one. Thou shalt not send the frickin' lightning torch via tipping me to somebody who hasn't asked for it and doesn't know that they're going to get it. Why? Because it has a tendency to flush said torch down the toilet, which is what we have seen. Huddle or not, I'm really sorry, man, but let's look on the bright side. In two weeks of life, this thing reached 62 countries and 161 different people. I haven't done the math, but uh, I am wondering 
whether those two metrics actually surpass the original lightning torch. I wonder because it's this one went blazingly fast. I'm looking at the map right now and most of the countries, you know, or well, most of the land mass, let's say that. It's not most of the countries. Most of the land mass represented by the world map has actually been lit up by the torch. Anyway, man, it was a good run. It really was. It was a damn good run. Let's see what uh what some other people say about this damn thing before we decide to move on. Um uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, it's Welsh for Bitcoin, and there's no way I'm pronouncing a Welsh word. Hell, it's hard enough for me to freaking pronounce somebody's name from Russia, much less Welsh. I mean, my God. But we all know and love... Uh, Bit It's at B I T G E I N I O G. Love the guy, and he says, uh, in response to Hodel and Knott's, uh death tweet, that fair enough. Congratulations on another storming torch run. I, I have to concur. Uh, let's see here. Um, this is from Imran Lorgat. He says the number of countries hit and the speed that the LN Trust Chain 2 was passed was pretty incredible. It is absolute madness how far the Lightning Network has come in such a short time. Another person, my, oh, actually, this is not a person. This is MyNodeBTC at MyNodeBTC, the good people that have given me the software to participate in not only the Bitcoin network, but also the Lightning Network. Uh, says, I'm glad I was able to participate in this one. LN Trust Chain was one of the things that sparked my hands-on interest with Lightning, leading to the creation of my node. Thank you. I did not know that. I just learned that right here. I had zero idea that the guys behind, or guy, whoever, behind my node, um, was inspired by the first Lightning Torch and ended up inside a year, one year later, my node BTC comes out. That's pretty impressive. If if we were to take nothing else away from the lightning torch experiments, we can take that. I mean, that's huge. That is a huge this this person was inspired by Space Cat living in, you know, above the 36th parallel or whatever, you know, close very close to the Arctic Circle you know, chilling out up there and deciding to release a torch and all of a sudden it spawns my node BTC. That's what I love about this space. There is absolutely no end to how we inspire each other. And you know what? I think I'm going to leave it there. I am not concluding that the uh, LN Trust Chain 2 was a failed experiment. I'm going to say it was a success. I wasn't able to be part of this one either. Well, I'm kind of part of it insofar that we're doing torchlight here, but, and as sad as it may be to see the lightning torch extinguished, uh, for the first time, I think this would be the first time that Hodel and not called it dead, uh, between the two trust chains that went out last year and, and, and this year, um, was it the end of 2018? I can't remember. I, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, after, after two trust chains, uh, this is the only one that uh, Hodel and Otis declared dead, which is really, really too bad. But again, I'm not going to be sad about it for the, for the short, the short reason is because if it inspired something like my BTC, what else can these things inspire? And personally, 
I can't wait for the next one to come out. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about something that I don't know how to talk about it, but there's there's this thing called Citadel21.com. And I am unsure what the hell this is. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read you what I can. But the reason I'm reading it, even, even though that I am not sure exactly what this thing is, is because there's a couple of things about the language being used that leads me to believe that this might be very fun. So citadel21.com, you can find them on Twitter at CTDL21. That is CTDL21. Citadel21 is a Bitcoin cultural zine pulling nuggets of high signal meow out of chaos. Now, I don't know what the hell high signal meow actually means, but I got my ideas. So if I go to citadel21.com and I got it pulled up right here, there's not much about it. The homepage is just says Citadel 21 is a B-zine and it says the world is chaotic. Chaos is the ultimate state of the universe as well as order. Citadel 21 explores the chaos that becomes a new order. And then there's a contact link and then they have one social media account and that's Twitter, or at least they have one social media account that they're putting on their, uh, their website, which has almost nothing to it because the only other thing that I can click here is about, and it says Citadel 21 is a Bitcoin cultural zine. Bitcoin culture is rich and varied. It contains a multitude of voices, opinions, and flavors together. They form what is currently chaos, but with an abundance of signal Citadel 21 aims to curate this chaos and put out some of the best, coolest, and weirdest pieces of raw signal on display. We're accepting submissions if you wish to contribute. Drop us a line and we'll get in touch and pull nuggets of high signal meow out of chaos. And when I say meow, I'm actually talking about, you know, like a kitty cat. Meow, meow. High signal meow out of the chaos. And on that page, the about page, they have where it says accepting submissions. Uh, they've got a place for you to put in your email and a message. Other than that, dude, that is it. So I don't know what this is about. However, the cryptic nature of this entire thing has got me interested, which is why I wanted to tell you about it. Again, that is CTDL21 on Twitter and it's citadel21.com on the web. So go there and if, I don't know, I'll sign up for a submission. I don't even know. I, I guess I'm going to do it too because I kind of want to know more about it. I... I, I kind of like the marketing because it's cryptic. It gets you interested. You don't know what it is. So because you're not sure exactly what it is, it piques a little bit of curiosity. Not bad. Not bad. All right. That's going to do it for uh, Torchlight and the community news. Vitalis statistics, we have Bitcoin at 9,869.86. Looks like, uh, is that going to be our high? It does indeed. No, no, our high is going to be over at BitAsset at 9,958. And we're going to be chilling out with a low uh, at P2P, B2B at 9,858. So $110 difference there, not a whole lot of trading room. 
We have 324,000 transactions that have been made in the last 24 hours with about 13,500 transactions being made on average per hour. Very close to 1 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. 41,600 BTC are being sent on average per hour, and the average transaction value is 3.08, while the median transaction value is 0.034. That's about 330 bucks. Block times are one are 10% high. They're at 11 minutes, five seconds. Uh, 0.27 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis, and th- almost 35 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. It's kind of getting up there, man. Um, probably means the memory pool's got some stuff in it or, or had. Uh, difficulty has, or I'm not difficulty, hash rate has dropped by 10%. In the last 24 hours, that brings us down to 101.5 exahashes per second. The last time somebody didn't do a damn thing to the Bitcoin uh, core repository was sometime this morning. So we haven't developed anything on Bitcoin as of tomorrow. God, not developing on Bitcoin freaks. Ethereum is at 223, Bcash is at 452, BSV is at 357, Litecoin is at 74 bucks, Ethereum Classic is at $11.73, Dogecoin took a little bit of a hit, it's chilling out at 0.0029, and with its amount of transactions over the last 24 hours, Doge beats nothing, absolutely nothing. My hash rate on my node, BTC, um, is actually saying that it's only 100 exahashes per second. We have, eh, it's not as high as I thought, we have 17 and three quarters of megabyte chilling out in the mempool. That is 9,178 unconfirmed transactions. All of the blocks are full as usual. Um, And there's a spike in the transaction rate. We're up at... Oh, good Lord. It looks like of not too terribly long ago, we were at 4.5 transactions per second. We've dropped down to about 4.5 transactions per second. Um, wow. Yeah, pretty cool there. Uh, let's talk about Lightning. What, 11,455 nodes are alive and kicking. We have... 36,102 channels open. We have 872 BTC in the network capacity. So we've had a little bit of an increase there. We have 23 new nodes that came online in the last 24 hours. That is a 0% increase or decrease in a day-over-day period. And the amount of new channels that came online in the last 24 hours is 186. But that apparently represents a 22% drop. So I'm looking at that going, should I feel bad that we've had a 22% drop in the number of new channels coming online when the amount of ch- new channels that came online was 186 yesterday? <laughs> I don't know, man. That seems pretty good to me. Anyway, that's going to do it for Vitals. Alrighty, let's start with the um, Bitcoin Magazine's little, uh, and it's their staff, I, I'm assuming, because it's just by Bitcoin Magazine from Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, infographic, the Pineapple Fund's Unparalleled Impact. Now, 
if you guys or anybody who's listening to me who doesn't remember the pineapple fund, um, that thing was that thing was pretty cool. And we're going to read about why right now. Bitcoiners have a giving streak. It's true. No matter what narrative the mainstream media may hammer home about drugs, greed, or wanton hedonism, Bitcoin's community has a long-standing tradition of charitable action. Perhaps the earliest example of this is the Bitcoin 100 charity drive bootstrapped in 2011 on the Bitcoin Talk Forum. The organization raised at least 1,600 Bitcoin before it went inactive. It originally intended to dole these donations out in lumps of 100 Bitcoin, but as Bitcoin's price bucked upwards from 2011 to 2013, the organizers decided to make donations in $1,000 sums. But Bitcoin 100 had more Bitcoin to donate than causes that could accept it. In 2011, Bitcoin was either too arcane or tainted by association with the dark web for people to not feel sketched out by the fund's promise. Quote, it's like you beg people, please take my $1,000. It'll be very quick and easy. Bitcoin 100's treasurer, Michael Tazzoni, formerly Dimitri Mishuzhak, told Coindesk in a 2013 interview. Luckily, it's gotten easier since 2011 to donate Bitcoin to various causes. Founded in 2015, BitGive, for example, has enabled hundreds of thousands of dollars in philanthropic Bitcoin donations and remains one of the space's most impactful charity success stories. Bitcoin fundraising platform Helperbit, founded in 2016, has also facilitated hundreds of thousands of dollars across hundreds of donations. But in 2017, an anonymous fund sprung up that would have far and away the largest financial impact of any Bitcoin-focused charitable effort, the Pineapple Fund. And its semi-eponymous founder, Pine... <laughs> Pine... <laughs> Got some of that pine, bro. Sorry, sorry. Uh, put what would be worth more than $100 million at Bitcoin's all-time high price to charitable work. 10,000 or so applications vying for the money came pouring in, through which Pine and his friends patiently sifted to find those most worthy of the staggering wealth Bitcoin had generated for the pseudonymous philanthropist. Quote, I'm very happy that I've held on to most of my Bitcoin until today, Pine told Bitcoin Magazine in 2017. Most early adopters of Bitcoin actually don't have much. They've sold to pay bills and expenses, end quote. Quote, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Sometime around the early days of Bitcoin, I saw the promise of decentralized money and decided to mine, buy, trade, some magical internet tokens, Pine continued. The expectation shattering returns of Bitcoin over many years has led to an amount far more than I can spend. What do you do when you have more money than you can possibly ever spend? Donating most of it to charity is what I'm doing, end quote. Since the Pineapple Fund has arrived and gone, BitGive and HelperBit continue to help those in need, as does Bitcoin donating platform The Giving Block, founded in 2018. But as the graph below makes clear, the Pineapple Fund's level of charitable giving was extraordinary, even in direct comparison to these other notable Bitcoin philanthropy efforts. Where data was available, it shows the total dollar value of donations powered by each of these organizations based on the price of Bitcoin when these donations were made, as well as the total dollar value of these donations were made at Bitcoin's approximate all-time high price of $20,000 U.S., 
Some of these figures are rough estimates based on available data and information shared with Bitcoin Magazine by sources from the listed organizations. While each charitable player deserves credit for their work to make the most of BTC, the Pineapple Fund remains an overwhelming example of Bitcoin's power to do good. And looking at the at the infographic, it basically looks like there's one, two, there's five uh, entries on here, the Pineapple Fund being one of them. And if you were to judge by size, you're talking about the Pineapple Fund dwarfing all the rest of them by a factor of 30. As far, I mean, I'm just looking at the graphic and it looks to me like you'd have to stack some of the, the highest ones up 30 times to even freaking approach how much the pineapple fund gave away. And like I said, if you were around to listen or and heard read stories, listen, we're listening to podcasts when the pineapple fund was active, boy, howdy, was that just a lot of fun to listen to? Uh, God. And, and I, and when, when pine announced that they were going to close the fund, that they were all done, man, I was, I was kind of sad. It was like letting go of, you know, of an old friend because it was like, well, shit, what, how am I going to geek out on, on philanthropic giving via Bitcoin now? And sadly, I, I, nothing's going to replace the pineapple fund. I don't, I don't think if it does, that'll be awesome. But man, there was just something about those days in 2017. Remember I was at a playground. I was listening to, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to one of the podcasts that I was listening to back then. And um, they were talking about the pineapple fund and yet some new thing that they were investing in. And I believe it was going to be their last is it. And I remember sitting there at the playground, watching my kids play. We, we were in Durango, Colorado at the time. Um, <clears throat> we were there for vacation in the summer. And I just remember going, man, this is going to suck. No more pineapple fund. Ah, Ah, those are the days, bro. Okay, South Korean University issues blockchain diplomas due to coronavirus. <laughs> Decrypt.co's uh, Robert Stevens is writing this on February the 9th. I was going to include this in yesterday's show, but we ran out of time. However, it's important enough uh, that I want to include it today because there, there's, some, there's something about this. Amid the coronavirus epidemic that's sweeping the world, South Korean University has scrapped a graduation ceremony and issued fresh graduates with blockchain certificates. This month, 828 new gradu graduates of Pohang University of Science and Technology were sent a QR code that links to a blockchain secured diploma certificate. Quote, in the aftermath of the new corona, it is impossible to hold the graduation on time. So even if a student does not go to school and receives a diploma, he or she can get a digital degree that is secured by blockchain technology, a spokesperson from the university told MBN. <clears throat> the diploma is secured on the blockchain, which will prevent people from fraudulently claiming to have studied at the university. An employer can look up degrees in the database provided by IconLoop, the company that's made the technology, to determine if someone really has studied at the university. The technology has become popular. MIT has used blockchain to log certificates since 2015 and diplomas since 2017. Melbourne's Remit University, actually that's RMIT, has done so since last year. The UK's Open University has received a grant from the European Commission to develop a blockchain-based certification program. Blockchain companies like Parchment, Semia, 
Flurry have all worked on putting qualifications on the blockchain too. Over 34,800 people have been infected with the coronavirus worldwide, and over 700 have died, according to the BBC. South Korea has 24 cases, according to Worldometers. The virus has made its presence felt on the global economy too. China has printed $174 billion to offset the economic effects of the coronavirus. Are you kidding? All, I'm going to stop right there and say that there, there's no effect of the coronavirus. Well, okay, obviously there is. Clearly, I'm wrong when I say that. But not to the tune of $170 billion. I think they're using coronavirus as a screen to say, oh, shit, we have a plausible way to pump a whole bunch of money into the economy and nobody's going to bat an eye because coronavirus, right? So coronavirus is going to, I think, is going to be like the, the new catchphrase like or catchword like, uh, blockchain. Anyway, continuing. Although the coronavirus hasn't impacted the price of Bitcoin, the crypto community has been tangentially affected from Bitcoin mines and startups being forced to close their doors to blockchain companies organizing donation programs to tackle the coronavirus. Blockchain developers, AC, I can't pronounce it, ACOER, Acour, I don't know, has even developed a dashboard to track the spread of the virus using Hedera Hashgraph. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, oddly, that's the end of the of the article. Uh, I don't know. That's a, a really abrupt way to end it, but whatever. Now, what do I have to say about it? Now, anybody who listens to me, you know me. I, I am not. I am not prone to shit coinery. I, I just don't. I'm also not prone to slinging the word blockchain everywhere, except on very, very, very few occasions that I actually agree with some form of this type of thing. This is one of them. A diploma is something that you work real hard for, you pay a lot of money for, and as a quote-unquote certificate to say that you're not an idiot and that you're able to actually do shit, it has some value to a certain a certain group of people. You don't need to have a university degree. But there are some fields where I want my guy to have a university degree, like my surgeon or my engineer or, you know, shit like that. I don't want somebody who found you know, aerodynamics on the bottom of, you know, on the, on the floor of a prison, you know, like several pastors that I've met in my life where they find Jesus on the bottom of some kind of prison floor underneath the toilet. And then they start telling you how much they know about God and they don't. Neither does a surgeon, okay? I need that dude getting a degree, or and I need that chick that's going to build the dam that holds back, you know, trillions of gallons of water, you know, above a town of 500,000. Yeah, I need that dude or that chick. I need those people going to university to learn this shit, okay? I need some kind of credible, you know, piece of paper that says that they're not going to kill you, even though it does, yes, obviously it, it still occurs. But at least there's a better chance, Okay. Now my thing here is, uh, who's going to secure the, this blockchain. And this is where I part ways with, with stuff like this. You don't need your own blockchain to do shit like this. And what you really should be doing is somehow using Bitcoin because in that, in that way, you can at least leverage the mining and the security that is inherent in the chain. 
to have something that you are going to say is immutable and unerectable and forever and a day lasting and all that kind of shit, you're going to need people that actually care about setting up a node and setting up miners to actually secure that network. And if you're not going to give them money in some form, fashion, way, you know, in some way, shape or form, forget it. However, it is the case that sometimes universities will close their doors and you will not be able to get your transcripts or a copy of your degree because, well, the registrar's office is closed. Why? Well, because the whole damn thing is closed. In this particular case, I do think it's not a bad idea to have that shit backed up to where you'll always be able to access it without, you know, having to keep it on several thumb drives um, and then, uh, and also like if I give my like a uh, transcript to the u- university I went to, to somebody and that university is now closed, can they verify it? Just because it's got a seal doesn't necessarily mean that it's like legit in this particular case. I don't have a problem with diplomas and, and tra- transcripts going onto a blockchain. What I have a problem with is which blockchain Because if you're going to build one yourself, you might as well not have one at all, right? Okay. Uh, Bitcoin Whale puts crypto traders on alert, warns phantom money, pushing the price of BTC. Daily HODL staff writing for guess who? The Daily HODL, as of yesterday, says a crypto whale who made $20 million in realized profit from December to January on the crypto exchange Bitfinex says phantom money may be behind Bitcoin's recent rally to 10,000. Yeah, whatever, dude. The influential trader known as Joe 007, who I've never heard of, never seen, never heard anybody, seen anybody retweet, apparently says trading tactics such as spoofing, which is an attempt to create a false sense of demand by placing large buy and sell orders without the intention of filling them, appear to be the principal force driving price action in 2020. Quote. You can push the price only so long with phantom money. At some point, people would want to cash out their mad gains, spelled with a Z, of course, only to find no one on the other side of the market. (laughs) That would be the show. (laughs) That would be a show. Joe says he's concerned about the lack of fiat inflows into the crypto markets. He's watching the market cap of the stablecoin Tether, which is used by traders to exit crypto positions and sidestep volatility. In theory, a growing Tether market cap may signal an influx of cash entering the market. Tether Limited, the company behind Tether, has historically minted new USDT during times of intense Bitcoin bull runs. Although it has faced repeated accusations of market manipulation, the company claims it creates the new token simply to fill demand. Today, Tether Limited minted 25 million USDT, but it appears to be part of a prearranged token swap and will not actually boost the overall supply of Tether. Despite the spoofing theory in Tether Supply, Joe 007 seems unlikely to exit crypto markets anytime soon. He says he remains fascinated by the technology behind BTC and its potential to have a transformative effect on the world. Now, before I read the very last part of this, the whole reason I'm reading you this is not to spread FUD. It is literally because of this quote right here. Bitcoin is the, is this fascinating, one-of-a-kind, can't-copy-that thing that welds together some pretty far-off fields of human knowledge to produce entirely new socio-cultural economic phenomenon. Sounds banal, but to say that the price is at least interesting is its least interesting aspect is still true. 
All right. So yeah, I mean, it's a one of a kind, can't copy that thing, welding together disparate fields of human knowledge to produce an entirely new socio-cultural economic phenomenon. I think that's a great, that's a great way to describe this whole thing. I, I do, even though I think he's, he's a short, and I'm not getting this myself. I was instructed by uh, Bitcoin Tina in a tweet when I tweeted this out this morning. Um, Bitcoin Tina is like basically saying, ah, this dude's just short and he doesn't want to get wrecked. I, I, I'm going to agree with Bitcoin Tina. You know why? Because Bitcoin Tina has been trading for decades. I think I can trust what he has to say, although I am still probably never going to trade. Although Tone Vase does. Oh, God. This is just... Uh, okay, I'm just going to do it. Christina Combin is writing for Bitcoinist sometime yesterday. Tone Vase stands by his $4,000 Bitcoin price pre-having prediction... Bitcoin blasted through a 10K barrier once again this Sunday, but while the majority of analysts are hanging out the flags, hailing the next Bitcoin bull run, prominent BTC trader and analyst Tone Vase stands by his bearish predictions. Bitcoin is on a tear. Against many odds, the number one cryptocurrency ended the weekend in the five-figure region. Diehard Bitcoiners and bullish analysts are rubbing their hands with glee. Crypto Twitter is ablaze with action from the Winklevi to the infamous Hodelanot visibly elated with the latest breakout. I'll bet it was Hodelanot that said you will never see below 10,000 again. That's some... I'm, I'm, I swear to God, I'm going to stop feeding that cat. Maybe he'll just sing a different tune. Yet there is still one major short-term bearish Bitcoin analyst who's standing by his prediction. Perma deadpan Tone Vase still believes that BTC could plummet back to 4K in the months before the Bitcoin halving. When called out by the founder of OnChain Capital as to whether he still believed Bitcoin would be at 4K before the halving, Tone Vase responded that there were still two months to go and that, quote, anything can happen. Naturally, the banter back and forth between the pair provoked quite the tweet storm. After all, Tone Vase, if nothing, is not controversial. There were plenty of responses pouring scorn on his pessimistic predictions, which have been wrong on multiple occasions. One follower even suggested that Vase had the kiss of death when it comes to investing, saying, quote, Any other predictions you have so I can think the opposite and be successful? What is your prediction for XRP, Stellar Lumens, Ether, and LTC? Shitcoin. Okay. Uh, Another added, quote, Can we please create a ledger of bad price move predictions made by the pro trader? End quote. Guys are being rough with tone. If Bitcoin's short history tells us anything, it's the only, it's that the only thing we can, ah, God, it's the only thing that can be expected is the unexpected. While the general sentiment seems to be bullish ahead of the halving, there are certainly no guarantees that Bitcoin is going up moonshot style. In fact, even at the time of writing, Bitcoin has already proven hodl and not wrong by sliding back below the 10K mark this Monday. I am going to kill that cat. I, 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 that's it. I'm done. That cat, that bad kitty, bad. This is most likely due to profit-taking at the psychological five-figure threshold, leading economist and trader Alex Kruger to remind his followers that they should probably remember to do that every time they're feeling cocky. 
Quote, most of my worst losses have come at times when I feel invincible, he added. And of course, there's also no shortage of analysts who are calling for a swift correction. There may be plenty of jubilant voices decreeing the official return of the Bulls, but there are also more than enough old-timers and pragmatists, like Tone Vase, leaving the door open for the opposite to happen. Tone Vase sure has been wrong about a lot of stuff. I like Tone. I can't help it. And the reason I like the reason I like Tone is that he was part of the old school, the Bitcoin group, an American original. Over the last 10 seconds, the best Bitcoin, that that one. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's a uh, Thomas's outfit or was Thomas's outfit. I don't he's still doing the Bitcoin group, but the personnel has changed quite a bit. And, you know, it used to be like, you know, Thomas or mad Bitcoins, if you don't know who I'm talking about. Thomas and Vortex, the one Vortex, Tone Vase, and a few other people. And that was when I first started getting into into Bitcoin. And again, those people saved me a lot of headache, you know, warning me like the same thing that I warned you guys about. Don't trade. Don't do it. Don't keep your, your Bitcoins on an exchange. Um, all that stuff. That came from way back in the day when I started early and that's one of the reasons why I still got a soft, soft place in my heart for tone and all, you know, all of them, but especially tone, because it's hard to keep a soft place in your heart when somebody just keeps getting it wrong. My God, will he be right? I don't think so. I don't. I mean, a four, to 4K, I don't know, man. That sounds so ridiculously dangerous that ah, I don't even want to think about it. Um now, Justin Sun recently ate at a buffet. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, Buffett sees Bitcoin as a store of fear, not a store of value, says eToro's Yanni Asya. This is Bitcoinist.com. This is the staff of Bitcoinist writing this sometime on the 9th. Uh, Yanni Asya, CEO and co-founder of Toro, attended the recent dinner with Warren Buffett, chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, as the guest of Justin's son, founder of Tron. Uh, below, Yanni shares his key takeaways from the meeting, and I thought you guys might like this. It's a series. It's, essentially, it's a series of quotes that he wrote uh, that kind of demonstrate what what he was getting from. Warren Buffett at the at the buffet here. The dinner was a life-changing moment for me. It was a huge honor to meet one of the world's most famous and successful investors and a personal hero of mine, blah, blah, blah. Quote, meeting him in person, he said exactly what he has written in numerous books, namely that investing is simple. Making money in the markets is easy. Invest in businesses you understand and believe in. If you follow the rules of value investing as explained in Benjamin Graham's 1949 book, then you will succeed as an investor. Well, golly gee, I didn't know it was so easy to become a billionaire. Honestly, I'd take that one with a grain of salt, guys, because I don't think it's easy as easy as Warren says it is. I think it's easy for him now, but as he talks about this shit, I got to think, does he really remember when he started and how hard it really was being the, as I mean, he's the man's 89 years old. Come on. Think about it. 
Continuing, quote, the reason that this dinner was so life-changing is that my entire in my entire life, I've been a fan of capital markets. I started investing at 13, and I've built a company whose vision is to provide everyone everywhere with access to these markets. Yet, while I know a lot of people involved in capital markets, very few follow value investing. It's like hidden magic that reveals itself to you only after 20 years of making 15 to 20% and compounding those returns. Quote, luckily, I have popular investors on the eToro platform who can now read this book and put value investing into practice for the benefit of our global user base. Warren believes in businesses that generate value. Bitcoin does not have these overt indicators, so he does not see the value of Bitcoin. Warren believes that Bitcoin is only valuable in the context of short-term market volatility and crashed similar to gold. In his eyes, Bitcoin is not a store of value, it's a store of fear. He believes that investing in something that expects a market crash is not a good strategy. He's probably not wrong, but whatever. Warren believes in businesses that generate value, therefore he does not see the value of Bitcoin. He believes Bitcoin is only valuable because of fear of what happens in the short term if the markets crash similar to gold. So Bitcoin is not a store of value. It's a store of fear. He believes that investing in something that expects a market crash is not a good strategy. However, he thinks that blockchain technology has value, but that no companies out there right now are using it correctly. The smartest people say it's an important technology, but no one is really using it yet. I agree with him that we are still very much in the early stage of blockchain technology, yet I am incredibly excited about its potential, especially its potential to do good. We must remember that transformative technologies take time. Alessandro Volta produced electricity through a chemical reaction in 1800. 31 years later, Michael Faraday introduced a machine that generated electricity. But only in 1878 did Thomas Edison invent the light bulb, which brought electricity to the mainstream. Last year, we started an experiment called Good Dog. Okay, I'm not going to get into that one because he goes, the, the middle of this was the meat and potatoes. Okay, and especially this one, that transformative technologies take time. 78 years from the first time that electricity was produced in a laboratory to the time that it went got to a light bulb heralding the advent of electricity to the masses. It would take, you know, it, if I remember this right, it would take until the 40s and possibly getting into the 50s where you could safely say that most of the people in at least the first world countries had electricity to their homes. There was a still, I mean, in the 40s and the 50s, there was still a shitload of people that lived in the rural places that did not have, they were the last guys to get telephones and electricity. Okay, now everybody has it. But man, you got to think about what was going on in the middle of Ohio in the 40s. That farmhouse sitting out there all on its own did not have electricity. And it probably didn't have electricity until the early 50s. And even then, kind of a crapshoot as to whether it did or not. So all the people that want Bitcoin to work out of the box right now and do everything and all the promises and all, that's why they're insane. Because no matter how transformative of technology is, there is still the element of temporal patience. If you can't be temporally patient, then I, I can't help you. I mean, you know, I got 
more days behind me than I got in front of me. And even I have a, a modicum of patience. My God. So again, every time that you feel yourself getting impatient, remember that it took over a hundred years, a hundred years, actually more than that. Probably, I'm going to say 150 years from the time that electrons first flowed through the hand, because of the hand of humankind to mainstream adoption, where the majority of people in at least the first world country had electricity to their homes. That's a long time, guys. That's a long time. All right, William Shatner, Captain Kirk. My, at this point, I got to say it, my second favorite captain. And I grew up watching the reruns of Star Trek. So I, I grew up with Captain Kirk as, as my Star Trek captain. Who replaced him? Dude, John Luke Picard. I, I, I'm sorry. The guy was, is just the best captain of the Enterprise. And I also want to just, you know, if, if I can't troll the captain of the good ship Enterprise, then what the hell am I doing? I mean, my God, I got a podcast. I got to do it at least once. Adrian Zmunsky is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. William Shatner doubts Craig Wright's claim to inventing Bitcoin. Captain Kirk seems unconvinced that the Australian computer scientist is the inventor of Bitcoin. William Shatner, the Canadian actor that played Captain Kirk in the original Star Trek series, suggested that Wright is not behind the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, the seminal cryptocurrency's creator. In a tweet on February the 11th, Shatner said, Ask yourself why would someone claim to be Satoshi and offer zero proof? Either put up or shut up, right? Uh, and we're, we're going to get to this here in a second, okay? They're going to come back to that. The discussion started after a Twitter user answered Shatner's announcement of having been at the cryptocurrency event by expressing the hope that fake Satoshi wasn't there. After clarifying that this was a reference to CSW, another Twitter user claimed that Wright is indeed Satoshi and that the BSV is the real Bitcoin, to which Shatner answered, quote, why can't he prove it? From what I've read is that some mysterious bonded courier would deliver the keys, which honestly is a scene right out of Back to the Future. If he is, he should be able to prove it. This is like a modern day search for Anastasia. <laughs> In his tweet, Shatner was referring to the Tulip Trust, which purportedly contains the private keys to a million Bitcoin worth $9.7 billion as of press time. That Wright claims will be handed to him by a courier. In late July, January, Wright told Cointelegraph that he is confident that he will gain access to the funds in question. Wright has been wrapped up in a legal proceeding against him by the estate of Dave Kleiman, an American computer scientist. The two sides are litigating over Wright's alleged misappropriation of a million Bitcoin. Wright claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, but in November he told the plaintiff that he could not afford 500,000 BTC settlement in the case of the Kleeman estate initiated against him earlier that month. He was accused of abusing attorney-client privilege to withhold documents and confuse trial proceedings. That's not exactly what's going on. It hits close to the mark, but there's some, some details there. Uh, but you guys know what this is. I, I've talked about this case like every time any kind of new interesting and self-abusive news comes out for this thing. I want to get back to this uh, quote-unquote tweet on February the 11th. Quote, ask yourself why someone, claim, why someone claiming to be Satoshi and offers zero proof, either put up or shut up. 
that tweet no longer exists. Yikes. It looks to me like William Shatner deleted that tweet. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Okay. <laughs> I've got to do this one. I have to. I am called by the very spirits of the earth to talk about why cypherpunk witches love Bitcoin. <laughs> And this is Coindesk too, man. This is, of course, it's Lee Quinn writing for Coindesk. Oh, when? Please tell me when. Yesterday. And again, this was going to go in, but I couldn't get to it. But my God almighty, I cannot not read this one. We live in an age where young women use everything from emojis to Bitcoin to practice witchcraft. Claire Gallant or Gallant, an Ethereum fan who founded the Future Witch Facebook group along with a corresponding art installation to fundraise for the crypto research startup Open Privacy, said she sees many similarities between cypherpunk values and witchcraft. Quote, I think witchcraft and crypto are deeply involved with each other. After all, Gallant said technology is a little bit of magic to us, something that is spoken and coded into existence. Beyond that, cryptocurrency can enhance witches' power by letting them transact beyond the grasp of restrictive mainstream commerce platforms. Quote, whether it's ritual objects or access to birth control in various places around the world, that whole scale applies to crypto as it applies to cash, Gallant said, describing her interest as primarily feminist. If you don't have privacy and security, you don't own yourself anymore. So cryptocurrency is important for that. That's true. Although witches often use TikTok and Instagram to share spells and recipes, they have not always been welcome on e-commerce platforms. Etsy temporarily banned witchcraft-related sales in 2015, just as eBay did in 2012. Taboo or occult religious practices can sometimes be subject to financial censorship due to potential reputational risks. In 2017, witches reported being banned by Square for selling occult items. That's why feminist author Sophia DiGiorgio publishes manifestos about, quote, how witches and occultists can use bitcoins and altcoins for privacy and anti-discrimination, end quote. From Gallion's perspective, the right to purchase objects for her own personal use is crucial. Even as these issues apply to all religious minorities, they are more likely to be censored if that person violating social norms is a woman. Open Privacy's Lewis found a similar motivation herself. She and Gallion are among the many crypto enthusiasts who incorporate spirituality in to their technical experiments. Quote, when someone asked if I was an activist or a researcher, I told them I was a witch, Lewis said. Quote, we've delegated what is appropriate to sell, advertise, or even believe to some extent to these platforms. End quote. Lewis added, referring to platforms like eBay that have temporarily banned or penalized occult shops. For a more recent example, the organizers behind the witchcraft pen pal project Witch Swap I wonder whether they're going to open up a sandwich shop. You know, witch, witch. Sorry. Which helps. Oh, my God, there's a lot of witches. Let's do this again. For a more recent example, the organizers behind the Witchcraft Pen Pal Project Witch Swap, which helps witches share books, crystals, tarot cards, and other ritual tools, said they created a backup Instagram account after the original account wrongly triggered... <laughs> The platform's community standards enforcement. On the other hand, Kelsey Lester Perry, the entrepreneur behind KVLT rela uh, Relations, or wait a minute, 
Creations? Oh, KVLT Creations. That's with a K. Um, yeah, sorry. I had a little notification on my phone there. Lester Perry said, oh God, I'm screwing this up, guys. I am sorry. I do apologize. The entrepreneur behind KVLT Creations with a K online shop said she accepts Bitcoin through Etsy and Instagram, still work for such sellers and novice learners most of the time. Quote, I get the best information from just having a dialogue with my community on Instagram. There are certain keywords that you shouldn't put in an Instagram post, like you shouldn't use dollar signs. Their bots will catch those. Oh, if you say the word giveaway. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. I did not know that. Yet, as the witch swap instance allows or shows, accounts that promote witchcraft but don't sell or directly distribute occult products can still attract scrutiny. All things considered, many tech-savvy witches believe the types of systems thinking used in astrology or tarot deck readings can also apply to cryptocurrency ecosystems, and they see this technology as crucial to ensuring their future rights to freedom of religion, both in terms of commerce and self-expression. Quote, the acceptable norms are shrinking. Quote, we need these technologies and avenues to push back against the shrinkage. Without them, we live in a much smaller world. Okay, now look, I, 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 if I've offended anybody by snickering at the whole witch thing, I, I'm not going to apologize because I think this shit's silly. However, here's what I don't think is silly. These people have a right to do whatever the hell it is that they want. They have a right to conduct commerce with each other. They have a right to offer goods and services to people who may or may not be in the quote unquote occult or witchcraft, witchcrafting world or what, however you, I don't know what it's called, but you get my drift. These people have a right to transact. Bitcoin allows them that right to transact and nobody gets to say shit about it. This is why I Bitcoin, even if I'm not a warlock. If you catch my drift there, pals. Okay, people painfully recall their biggest Bitcoin mistakes. Woo, Decrypt.co's Tim Copeland is writing this morning that people have lost 2.5 million Bitcoin worth $25 billion since it was created in 2009, according to a previous estimate by Chainalysis. But what's missing in these numbers are the real human stories, mistakes, forgotten keys, accidental transactions, and sheer unfortunate bad luck. But today, all the memories are flooding back and people are sharing their stories. On Twitter, Anthony Sassano, product marketing manager at Setpool, asked, quote, what's your biggest crypto-related screw-up and got more than a few responses? An Ethereum core developer known under the pseudonym Antiprosynthesis recalled Bitcoin's most famous disaster, Mt. Gox. Once Bitcoin's most popular exchange, it was hacked for an extended period of time, losing $460 million. Again, guys, this is me talking. This is not the, the article. For those of you who are going to have in the past uh, or are in the process of writing articles about Bitcoin and losses, please stop putting it in U.S. dollar terms. If you have to do that, at least follow that with, in parentheses, the amount of actual Bitcoin lost. Because when you say $460 million was lost or $2.9 billion was lost, I have zero idea what you're talking about. I don't know what price, at what time you were talking about the price. Okay, stop it. It's bad form. I need to know the actual number of BTC. That's the only thing that makes sense. Please stop it. I don't mind if you put 
the dollar value in, but you can't put only the dollar value in because it doesn't make any sense. And if you do and still refuse to put in the BTC, the number of BTC that were lost, gained, or otherwise being talked about, at least put in the date at which you were talking about so that I can go back and find out and do the math how much actual Bitcoin was lost. Because at this point, I'm getting, I think I'm almost ready in mentally after all this time, I think my brain's neurology has fixed enough that I can separate BTC from USD. It takes a while. But now when I, when I see $460 worth of Bitcoin, I have zero idea what the hell that means. Okay, continuing. Antiprosynthesis wrote, moved my BTC to Mt. Gox to sell for fiat because there was a price premium there in early 2014. The timing is what's important here. Mt. Gox closed in February of 2014, and those hoping to get any remaining money back are waiting indefinitely. He wasn't the only one with regrets. Developer Eric Elliott recalled mining Bitcoin back in 2010 when it was worth between $0.008 and $0.08. Okay, so from like eight one hundredths of a cent to, or eight one thousandths of a cent to eight cents. At this time, it was easy to mine Bitcoin. You could earn hundreds per day, but he gave up thinking it wouldn't make any money. If he had just, or if he had mined just 1,000 Bitcoin, it would be worth nearly $10 million today. Quote, dreading the regret I'll feel when it hits 100K during the next 10, 10x surge, he added. Uh, there were similar tales from across the cryptosphere. Here are some wince-worthy moments that people regret. ICOs were the funding craze that took 2017 by storm. But while some coins skyrocketed up, not everyone was on board. One pseudonymous crypto investor sold 3 million Tron just three weeks before the price rose 100x from 0 0.0025 to 25 cents. If he had held on to his coins, they would have been worth $750,000 at its peak. The joys of hindsight. Celebrity endorsements can be effective, but so can fake ones. A pseudonymous Twitter user revealed that he sent some Ethereum to an ICO website because, quote, Elon Musk had invested in them, end quote. The coins were never heard from again. He shouldn't feel too bad, though. Both Sky News and TechCrunch fell foul of such convincing scams, reprinting them online as though they were genuine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Uh, let's see what Scoopy Truples has to say. But there, every once in a while, there's a tweet. and I'm not reading them all, but this one I'm going to read. Uh, Scoopy Truples says, send some ETH to an ICO site because Elon Musk had invested in them. They disappeared two days later. That was on February the 10th. 2020. Oh, okay. That was the, that was the tweet, but still it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Be careful with that. It's easy to get duped in this market. Some people learn the hard way that markets are not quite as rational as you might believe. Tim Coulter, CEO of Truffle Suite traded against Ethereum when it was worth just three bucks betting on its price going down. At the time, he felt the price wouldn't go up after a large amount of technical work was completed. What he didn't expect was for the world to pile in on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in late 2017, pushing the price of Bitcoin up to 20K and the price of Ethereum to 1500 in early 2018. He said he has no plans to short the coin again. Other mistakes are more simple. There's the classic fiat, fat finger mistake when you accidentally sell a coin for way less than it's worth 
typically by adding an extra zero onto the price. Some coins are worth $0.0001, and it can be hard to see the difference. In this case, the crypto enthusiast lost $4,000 on decentralized exchange Ether Delta. Ouch! Don't forget the Dow. This was one of Ethereum's biggest experiments that went wrong. <laughs> wrong? <laughs> Freaking scam or whatever. It was supposed to be a self-running organization that would hand out grants, but a bug in the code led to a major heist worth of $50 million. Most coins were recovered when the Ethereum blockchain was rewritten, but some people still have scars. I'm going to stop right there. Those coins were never recovered. Okay. They forked the chain and artificially inflated the price by quote unquote rolling it back. If you're going to have an immutable blockchain, mutability should probably not be written into its freaking DNA. This is why I Bitcoin and this is why Ethereum is trash. They can roll it back at any time. Quote, sent 100 ETH to the DAO, a Bitcoin and Ethereum enthusiast wrote on Twitter with no further explanation. The memory must be painful. Must be. Yeah, damn skippy it must be. Please talk about the parody hack. Uh, some of the stories ended on a more positive note. One pseudonymous chain link fan sent 5,000 link to crypto exchange Kraken when it didn't support the coin. But a year later, the exchange recovered the coins. So all's well that ends well. That's really interesting. Sometimes the mistakes are near misses too. Cryptocurrency trader Aaron Kruker said he lost, he nearly sent $10,000 instead of a hundred, another potential fat finger mistake, but caught himself just in time. I just about break out in a sweat whenever I think about it, he tweeted. A close call, indeed. It certainly is, and oh my God, we've got a green, a massive green dildo. 10,280. It is 10.13 a.m. Central Standard Time. Holy crap. It just erased all of those losses and is now looks like a all, another all-time high for the year of 2020. I'm reading 10,274. We started the show off at 97 or 9,800 and change. Wow. All within one podcast. Amazing. That's going to do it for your morning roundup. Man, song of the day is coming at you from again Leo Moricelli. Uh, Leo Moricelli is the guy behind, um, oh God, what is it? Frog Leap Studios. Uh, he metalizes every, you know, like he does covers of songs, and it doesn't matter what song it is, from Santana to probably Frank Sinatra, the dude will metalize just about anything. And the fact of the matter is, he, yeah, he turned a metal, a metal song. Um, or I'm sorry, he turned an 80s song, uh, took it, metalized the shit out of it, and here's, well, his version of Living on a Prayer from Bon Jovi.
my coffee is cold, but the daily train wrecked is hot. Unrider, that's at underscore Unrider, says, Speaking of shaders, you can even build Bitcoin-powered shaders engine with Planaria Systems Programming Interface, since the shading languages like HLSL are also nothing more than files. Okay, so why is that a train wrecked? Uh, Most of the people that listen to this may or may not know that I spent a great deal of time uh, or have, and and still do, you know, as a hobby, in the 3D animation, 3D modeling, uh, texturing, game engine stuff, like the Unity game engine, all that stuff works together. And essentially, um, you end up with uh, talking to, like, other people in the industry a lot of times about shaders. Um, So... Let me read you what what I wrote about this, and and I'll just kind of describe why this is even more stupid than remotely po- you can even remotely imagine. Yeah, every game development and animation studio is just dying to switch out their shader pipeline so they can wait for it. Write shaders on the blockchain. No, no, they're no, they're not. No, no, they're dude. You don't know. This is ridiculous. Okay. Just, I'm going to try to do this real quick. What is a shader? If you've gone to see a Pixar movie or played any kind of video game like ever. Okay. There is generally speaking, two things that make up the scene. There is geometry and then there is shaders. The geometry are the actual, for lack of a better term in this world, a f- the physical object, like the physical shape of the rock, okay, that's in the field, or the, you know, the sh- like the shape of, you know, any of the new Star Trek stuff. In, in the old Star Trek stuff, they used to actually be physical models that were painted, okay? In all the new stuff, it's all computer-generated, right? So you have the model, but the model itself actually won't show up when you render the scene unless there is a shader on top of the object. So the object shape comes from geometry. The shader is what gives it all of its lighting qualities. What color it is. Does it look rough? Does it look dirty? Does it look clean as a whistle? Does it shine? Is it dull? Does it look like brushed aluminum? Does it reflect light in a weird way? One of my favorite shaders in the whole world is car paint. You can adjust the the flex, you know, the flake size, how much flake it has in the metal, how or in the paint, how deep the paint is. Does it have um, like a clear coat on top of it? If it is a clear coat, is it tinted? This is how you get candy apple red or the the candy apple paint that you see on Corvettes a lot, especially the older ones. The favorite shader ever, car paint. Oh my god. But without those shaders, I can't make anything a color. In fact, the object itself without a shader, even the simplest shader that tells the computer that it's gray, it, it, it'll, if I were to render it, it would just render a blank scene. The geometry without the shader is nothing. So obviously shaders is at least half of what's important in any scene, whether it's a game, movie, or whatever. Why would you want to use a blockchain? 
Now he's saying that you can, I got to give him, I got to give him a little bit here. He's saying that you can, not necessarily that you should, but the mere speculation that somebody would actually want to write this shit on a blockchain is ludicrous. And I'm sorry, it is your daily train wrecked and there is your smoldering pile. Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Dad Says Jokes once again. I just quit my job at the helium factory. I won't be spoken to in that tone. I must admit that's that's not even really a joke, and that that's where where ter- where dad jokes go go bad is when it's not even really a joke. I mean, that's not even honestly that's not cringeworthy, but. What am I going to do? I'm running long. I need to wrap this damn thing up. So takeaways. Uh, remember, if you've made a mistake with Bitcoin, remember the pain. It will keep you from making mistakes in the future. Uh, I guarantee you it will It will definitely make you think twice about doing stupid shit. Also, um, uh, the tone vase thing, which is also one of the reasons why I selected that joke, because it had tone in it. Um, no, not 4k. I, I'm, I just, no, I, I, and this is where I think people get attached to their technical analysis. Um, they're so sure. And they've been so sure for so long that they can't see that, that maybe the trend that they were looking at actually doesn't apply anymore. You know, I, you know, I don't know. I get Bitcoin Tina would probably tear me a new asshole for saying shit like that, because I'm going to admit, I don't know the first thing about trading, but Tone's been on this for, I think, over a year now about 4K. It's 6K or 4K or so, and it never happens. The man has been wrong a lot. So even though I like Tone, I got to warn people, stop, you know, don't listen to other traders like they're going to tell you what to do because they very very well may tell you to do the wrong thing, not on purpose, just because they were wrong too. But when you get into Patone's position where people are hanging on your word, man, that's got, you know, that's for me, that's got to be a little bit rough to take on that kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, Also um, the whole idea that Bitcoin welts together some pretty far off fields of human knowledge to produce an entirely new socio-cultural and economic phenomenon, I think is at least quote worthy even though the you know the, the there's some some you know other things in that uh that I was talking about in that um uh, article that may not maybe a little bit less than kosher uh I can't escape the fact that the guy pretty much nailed it down but in either event it's Tuesday we got the rest of the week to finish out we're at $10,237 and hi we'll see you on the other side this has been bitcoin and And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.